Hello, and welcome to Citre Cruise Talks podcast. In this podcast, we will look at the disruption which COVID-19 has had upon the ports and destinations in Europe and the Med, and in particular, how they are preparing for resumption, hopefully back to the pre-pandemic levels of activity. To do this, we will be looking back at two recent chats which we did with some industry leaders and experts from port organizations and lines to explore their thoughts, comments, and what needs to be achieved before some sort of regularity can resume. In the meantime, can I point you to our website, ctrade-cruise.com, where you will see daily news stories and make sure to check out Ctrade Cruise Talks, a series of webinars, curated conversations, and more, which we would love to see you at. Now let's turn back to a conversation which was held in late May, where our editor, Mary Bond, led a conversation about safe cruising. We are now going to join the conversation where Mary had just asked Captain Michael McCarthy, Chairman Cruise Europe, what do you think it will take to bring cruising back from a European perspective? We know that the business came to a complete standstill. It's unprecedented. We've heard all of that. Two very important steps are going to have to be put in place before there is a resumption in the cruise industry. And I would break it down into two protocols, Mary. First protocol would be the negative publicity that was generated by the ports denying ships entry in the United States and the problem in Japan will live long in the minds of a lot of people. And the idea of people being cocooned at sea on a ship, and if you like trapped on that ship, I would say that that was handled very badly, not by the cruise lines, but I think by the ports, national authorities, etc. So there's going to have to be a protocol put in place that that can never happen again. A ship will be granted access to a port it may be under conditions, it may be under health issues, it may be under whatever, but you've got to get the ship into port and deal with the situation. So that's the first protocol that has to be set in place. And I do blame the ports, even though I'm a chair of a ports organization. Would it have been handled differently in Europe? It was handled differently in Europe. It was much more underscore. Southampton was accepting ships back, Tilbury, all of the ports. And there was a big offer to actually the ships in as standby and lay-by. So, but a protocol has to be put in place that the cruise lines and the passengers know that at least the ship will be allowed dock and get off. The second protocol has to be on the health procedures in relation to what is required from ports and what is required from a national government policy. Michael mentioned the ability to return passengers and crew to ports has been extremely challenging and is certainly something to be approved in the future, which is echoed by our next speaker. Here is Carmen Morrison, who is the Global Shore Excursions Manager at Intercruises, discussing the need for collaboration between lines and ports and clarity from governments. 
And I believe that one key thing is the industry collaboration, this open dialogue we've been keeping between us and all the stakeholders in the industry to enable to return to operation as soon as possible. Then from the government and the tourism boards, I believe we need to see these clear destination guidelines, but also timelines when the industry can make preparation for the ships to return to the ports. And those clearly define health and safety measures that ideally will be consistent across the destination, but are consistent at the level of the region and why not globally. And from the cruise lines, we've seen a, a lot of communication from their parts from the beginning, setting the expectation from where they think they can resume service. We hope that they continue to communicate. So all of us, the suppliers, the port agencies, the port authorities, we can all prepare for their return. Here is Iram Diaz-Pastor, who is the president of MedCruise. Even back in May, he was clear that resumption in September would be difficult, and he stresses the importance of having clear protocols in place. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were working in the scenario that maybe in two, three months, we we're going to be able to come back. We were thinking about maybe September, maybe October. By the end of the year, there are some companies that they want to begin, they want to start up operations. The big question mark is how we're going to do that. Not because there is not a demand, is that maybe at the beginning, some of the customers, they want to begin in a slow motion. We have to see if, for example, a, a vessel that has a capacity of 2,000 passengers, are they going to begin at the beginning with capacity? Are they going to go maybe 50% capacity, 40% capacity? That's why for MedCurs, we are trying to work in protocols and guidelines. I think from our side, what we need to do is what we are doing is to try to understand once the cruise company will come back, how we are going to manage these people inside the port, how we are going to manage the link and connection port and cities. Example, if we have a coach of 55 seats right now, that coach having the sanitary distance, uh, how many people will fit? So how many buses would you need to transfer 2,000 people from the port to different shore excursions or to get inside the city. This is the way in which MedCruise and MedCruise Port, we can help out to come back as soon as possible. Klaus Bodke, Director Cruise Baltic, takes a different approach, detailing six key issues and areas of change which need to be addressed before cruising can return. First of all, confidence in that the safety on board, that these nations are not compromised. You have to be absolutely sure that you are safe and you are not getting infected, both at the destinations and on board the cruise ship. Another thing is that we have heard a lot of stories about cruise ships that were caught between ports. And of course, I assume that will not no longer be the case. Then we also need customer needs for cruising. I've heard from the U.S. cruise lines that the reservations for 2021 are looking quite okay. It will be very necessary to have European that also would like to go cruising. Then a special thing that COVID-19 is more a big city thing due to the lack of space in the bigger cities. And I currently thinking about whether that will have an impact on the cruise preferences in the future. Will we will see that cruises are going to more smaller destinations compared to the bigger cities? Let's see. The fourth point is that cruise guest behavior may have changed. 
we don't know how, and it remains to be seen. Some, at least here in Denmark, we have had a lot of negative media coverage about the COVID-19 and cruises. I'm not sure how the situation is in the other countries, but at least the behavior will change for the cruise guests and the cruise lines. The fifth point is marketing. Once they opens up again, I'm sure that the marketing will be very fierce because there's a lot of competition to receive a cruise call. The sixth point is that a lot of people are underestimating the locals in this due to the negative media coverage. I could be a bit afraid that some of the locals would not welcome the cruise guests as warmly as before the COVID-19 because they have heard all these stories about COVID-19 on board cruise ships. In fact, 50% of all COVID-19 infected persons on board cruise ships, they come from two cruise ships, but the public, they know that, and we should inform them about that as good as possible in order for them to be welcome in the same friendly way as they did before the COVID-19. As Klaus said, the whole perception of travel has changed in the public eye. Having measures to ensure the safety of passengers, crew, and locals is vital to give the public confidence. So our discussion turned to the measures that need to be taken and what cruising will look like with these measures in place. Obviously, this is, again, very much evolving, dependent on how the industry decides to move ahead and very much each destination requirements. But there are four key areas on which we've been focusing, and those are the health and safety, the capacity, the technology implementation and sustainability. And if I may break them down a little bit on the health and safety part, this has always been a priority in this industry and for intercruises as well. And we've been fortunate to be part of the TUI group, meaning that we had uh, access to these teams of experts to guide us to a very good process. And they were there involved with us in the initial response to the pandemic outbreak. And they are now involved again to help us support the cruise industry as it restarts again. On the capacity side, we obviously expect there will be smaller group sizes due to social distancing requirements. And this, of course, will impact in the number and the type of vehicles we use the venue entrance availability, those allotments, and the number of the guides we have available. Then for technology, we are intensifying our efforts to incorporate technology that will aid with the social distancing. And I'm referring here to those audio guiding devices or even better, the audio guiding apps, because the apps sitting on the guest devices will not need to pass through these rigorous sanitation procedures. But I believe one silver lining of the lockdown is that the world population has gone to this tremendous crash course in technology on the last two and a half months. And therefore, the adoption of this new technology might be easily embraced now than pre-COVID era. And last but not least, on sustainability, we already implemented sustainable principle in our operations. And we have been using this downtime to further enhance that how we operate so we can return the operations even even more sustainable manner. And to be more concrete in here, we know this health and safety equipment that we will be required to use now. And we wanted to make sure that it's correctly managed, that it's locally sourced, that it's properly disposed and those cleaning material that we're going to use 
they are as environmentally friendly as they can be. On the shortest aspect of sustainability, we know that transportation is going to be a key challenge. The social distances means that we will need to use more vehicles operating sometimes half empty in capacity. So we're looking at different potential solutions at there. Intercruises focuses on four key areas in their preparation for resumption. And Common has found a positive spin in the increase in technology development through the lockdown. In comparison to MedCruise, things are a little different. The focus is on strengthening communication with cruise lines, although many of the end goals are very similar. They've been very proactive. We believe that it's important that we need to talk. Even if initiative or, let's say, crazy ideas, but we need to open the discussion with the stakeholders to put on the table how we think will be decreasing of, of the future. So, for example, we have with Royal Caribbean, we're in discussion with Norwegian Holding, we're in discussion with Carnival, Waida, Costa. So, in this occasion, we have seen that our customers, they are very proactive in order to begin the conversation and the discussion. I see an opportunity on this global pandemic to review things that maybe we were running too fast and we were growing too fast. And due to this unexpected situation, maybe it's time to just sit down as we are doing analyzing and see which things could be improved. We could even go more sustainable and environmental friendly. We could even review some birth allocation protocols in order to do not concentrate all the vessels the same day. We can review many aspects of our industry that maybe before due that day by day running and this uh, growth that we had so quickly, it could be a positive impact in our industry. We have to understand also that the cruise industry will come back, but seems like it will not be coming back as it used to be before. <laughs> we will have a cruise vessels. I am very confident that we will have cruise vessels before the end of the year in the Mediterranean ports, but obviously will not be as we've been having last year or the year before. I don't see another part in the world as the Mediterranean or Greece. We were talking about all the different countries and all the different areas and regions inside our association. But think about that from the East Mediterranean, the Black Sea, from the Red Sea, Adriatic, West Mediterranean, the Near Atlantic. We've been seeing a lot of investment, improvement, people proactive, willing to do things, willing to create new itineraries, willing to create something different in our industry. I'm very confident we have a very good people working to make the cruise industry come back as soon as possible. And I'm confident that we'll come back to the Mediterranean. After the Caribbean, we are the second largest destination in the world. And why not? We will have to keep this position in the near future. Irem is positive cruise will return to the Med. When and how is a little less clear. The same is true of cruise around the world. The biggest difference during the whole of this lockdown period is that each country has had the virus at peaks at different times and therefore had to respond differently. We have seen that even for the countries that are inside, for example, the European Union, that we should have all the same common strategy. We have seen that when this pandemic came, each country did whatever they thought was the best for their nationals. Saying that there was a lack of coordination within the countries, obviously it doesn't help in this period of time. That's why we've been trying for MedCruise to harmonize all this information. We've been doing some internal surveys to all our countries and our poor members. 
We've been taking advantage about the MOUs we've been signing with the National Port Association from each country and trying to summarize all that information and send it directly to our customers. I think this is something as an association that we can do to get all this input and forwarded to our customers to at least try to give them as much detailed and updated information possible. The situation is constantly changing, and many countries have had to change policy what feels like overnight. So it's easy to see why there is focus on working with and getting clarity from governments. Now here is Uko Metsola, VP Government Relations, Europe and Asia Pacific Royal Caribbean Group, who is talking more from the view of the European Union and the struggle which is happening across Europe. The EU published a roadmap to kickstart the summer tourism in May, which UCO gives unique insight into. I look at them primarily as the first positive political signal from the European Union. They want to rescue the travel and tourism sector. It plays a fundamentally important role in the European economy. European Union member states have been sending very similar signals. There is a lot of promising content in that. They are clearly calling for EU member states to progressively restore transport services and connectivity. They make specific references also to cruising, of course, with required protocols and processes in place to mitigate any health risks. But generally, it's a very welcome piece of paper. It is not a legislative proposal. It is just Commission's guidelines, but it's a good political signal. That's how I would look at it in a sort of high level. Do you think we will see a Schengen-wide corridor of travel? Or do you think we'll see countries, as we have, I think, already, go it alone or between each other with agreements? That's a very good question. And it's an interesting one because we are, of course, dealing here with blurred lines between the competence of the European Union and the competence of the European Union member states. So when it comes to the fundamental freedoms within EU, free movement of people, capital, goods and services, it is very much the EU who is in charge. And they are the guardian of the treaties and free movement is a fundamental cornerstone of EU and they clearly want to have a coordinated approach. But then at the same time, EU has very little competence on health policy. And this is where the dilemma lies, because, of course, member states have the right under extraordinary circumstances like the ones we have been witnessing to take unilateral actions. And especially when the travel restrictions were put in place, it was, of course, far from coordinated. So member states just started closing their borders and European Commission and EU in Brussels was just looking from a side. I think that there is a general political will across the EU to lift the sanctions in a more coordinated manner. And I think many member states have also spoken to that effect. So I think that we will see a sort of a Schengen bubble or European wide travel bubble where the governments and everybody has a joint interest in rescuing and saving whatever can be saved for the travel and tourism summer peak season, given that it's so uh, fundamentally economically important for many Mediterranean countries and others. They say visitors from outside will be able to travel to the country, but is that by air and land, or does that also include by ship and therefore cruise ship? Well, I would imagine that at first instance, we are probably more likely to look into European passengers sailing on European itineraries, 
So my guess is that we will see resuming service of brands that can source typically their own nationals within the European market. It would sort of make sense. I don't think that anyone is looking into flight crews from other continents as the immediate first step. I think it's a very important point in the Commission's guidelines that they actually talk about restoration of cruise services at EU and international level. So it is not like they are saying that we just want to make sure that there's some cruising in Europe, but they're probably sequencing it so that it's more likely to start within the Schengen traveling, knowing that the situation in the United States, again, from the medical perspective is very difficult. I think it's just common sense and realistic to assume that it's not like we will have uh, tens of thousands of Americans flying in the near future in cruise ships in Europe. But I think within Europe, we should get some positive signals, hopefully, later on this season, but there is a lot of uncertainty. Nobody knows exactly when and how the resumption will actually happen. A big question is, of course, the consumer reaction. I think we are very, very committed into making sure that we are not seeing only us returning to service. We want to be absolutely sure that we are seen as a trustworthy industry who does everything it can in its power to ensure a healthy return to service. positive signs that progress is being made in many of the areas discussed by our experts on this podcast came in the shape of new guidance on the resumption of cruising within the EU issued July 27th by the European Maritime Safety Agency. Co-authored with the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, the news was welcomed by CLIA and its member lines who have been engaged in the development of the guidance. In this episode, you have heard from Iram Diaz-Pastor, the president at MedCruise, Klaus Bodke, director at Cruise Baltic, Carmen Morrison, global shore excursions manager at Intercruises, Uko Metzola, VP of Government Relations for Europe and Asia-Pacific at Royal Caribbean Group, and finally, Captain Michael McCarthy, Chairman of Cruise Europe. All interviews were conducted by our very own Mary Bond, and if you want to watch the interviews in full, head to ctrade-cruise.com forward slash ctrade-cruise-talks. One is entitled Port Operations in Europe, and the other, how is the Mediterranean preparing for the return of cruising? The links to both are in the show notes. Please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you have any comments or questions, or indeed would like to take part or sponsor this content, reach out to Talks at informa.com. Thank you for listening to Seatrade Cruise Talks.